the new improved sound quality of Strange Assembly is brought to you by www.l5rsearch.com. L5rsearch.com is a comprehensive online L5R card database with tools to assist in optimizing your decks, proxying cards, or simply finding out about unusual cards. Once you know what you need, L5rshop.com puts it in your hands quickly and economically. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Here with me today are Rattling Boy, Phoenix Dude, and uh, have you even played L5R in the last six months, Justin? I did like that one time. It was that one time at band camp? Well, it just occurs to me that referring to Kevin as Phoenix Dude is very vague, because even though I called you <laughs> Rattling Boy, Jay, you are now a Phoenix player. Squeak. Okay, how about uh, Rattling Boy and Smug Phoenix Dude? <laughs> That works better. And I got nothing. Okay. See, today you're going to get the Strange Assembly review of Nightfall Martial Law. We'll get a strategy segment on splitting attacks. But first, let us entertain you with some random jibber-jabber about L5R. You you guys play L5R, right? Yeah. Our audience, they play L5R? I think a little so. bit? Who okay, knows? Okay, that's good. We're at a strange feeling sort of place for Alpha or at least to me. On the one hand, we've had a bunch of stuff happen, new sets and tournaments and everything. And on the other hand, we now are at this lull where... We're, we're entering the, the doldrums. Yeah. Pre, Pre-Gen Con doldrums. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about a month and a half, but it's I don't a, know if that's long it's, enough it's kind it's of the doldrums. Long. But uh, yeah, I mean, we just had Before the Dawn come legal. We just had War of Honor come out. And they're just about to finish up the previews for Forgotten Legacy. But I have no occasion to play with any of these cards in a formal sort of way Yeah. until Gen Con. And so it's really until Forgotten Legacy actually gets here. I'm not even... Personally, I, I'm not really even seriously trying to build a Before the Dawn legal deck. What's the point? I'm not yeah. going to go play in anything. I've, I've built War of Honor deck. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're pretty crazy. What is this? The extended decks? Yes. Yes. We yeah. do that. Which I don't even get to play in at Gen Con. Oh. Why not? Because the War of Honor storyline tournament is on Friday, and that is when I'm doing the Strange Assembly interview things. Uh, oh. Because there was some lunch thing that day that was going to kill playing in tournaments the day anyway so i i'm just trying going ahead and trying to schedule the design team and story team interviews for for friday and just take up the whole day like that and then i have to decide if i'm actually going to try to grind in or not bother because the the friday grinder is basically the gimme uh, <laughs> <laughs> well apologies to everyone who's not ground in on friday doesn't it start at like 10 in the morning, the Friday grinder? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to play in the Friday grinder, but I can either 
play hard all day long on Thursday to try to grind in on Thursday to play in the main event on Saturday, or I can do more hanging out and seeing what's going on on the show on Thursday, play in like the side storyline event on Thursday, and then just play in the second chance on Saturday. On Saturday. I mean, you know, we can all have our pretensions or something, but as I've said, it's not like I'm going to win Gen Con. Yeah, probably not. Well, yeah. Don't worry, you weren't either. <laughs> probably not. No, it's not. true. <laughs> I'm not going. I know I'm not winning. My plan is to, to play in the grinder on Friday, and if I don't make it in on Friday, I'll just play in the side event on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in la- last year, I did not play in the grinder on Thursday. I just played on Friday and made it in. The Friday grinder is much, much, much easier than the Thursday grinder. I mean, you've already removed all the Cote winners from the pool before Thursday, and then you're removing another, you know, 32 good players, good players from the pool after Thursday, and that's what's left for Friday. Unfortunately, we don't really know enough about anything else that's going on at Gen Con to talk about much there, although... I at least will be at the big gaming night on Saturday, and I'll be organizing the Dragon Clan dinner again on Thursday night, but mm. we don't have any more details on the storyline, prizes, or anything like that. But the there is an interesting connection between the grinders and what's been one of the hotter topics on the AEG forums lately, which is that traditionally... You qualify through the grinders by going 5-2. Or, mm-hmm. or sometimes even 5-2 and top of clan, if for some reason the top of clan for a particular clan is not... Top Ronin. 5-2. Well, generally not top Ronin, because up until this year, it's always been Colson, and there was no way on earth Colson was going to let top Ronin in <laughs> just because they were the only guy who played Ronin. Yeah. Or the best of the two guys who played Ronin. But at Nicola suggestion there is a thread that was started that has more generally become a thread about what they should do with the cuts i guess in the next floor rules but the particular proposal made was that they do away entirely with cutting to top eight or top 16 and go to a golf cut where you qualify based on your record so if it was a seven round tournament everybody who was five two or better would qualify for the elimination rounds Period. No strength of schedule, no tiebreakers, nothing like that. And then the first round, the top, so many players would basically get a bye in the first round of the Elim. Yeah. So if you had thir- if you had 13 players qualify, you need to get down to a top eight. So you'd have, what, like the first three guys or so would get byes, and then everybody else would, would play to form the other right. 10 guys would play matches to determine who was in the top eight and then you'd play the top eight uh, as normal and there's been a lot of noise about this a lot of people talking about how they want this for a long time this has kind of been popping up on the forums for a while i thought i think personally i'd like that i think mark is the only one who's been going on i mean according mark i guess at some point years and years ago they did it over in the UK and some other, mostly in the UK, but some other places as well as a qualification. And you were saying you like it, Kevin? I like it. I mean, I've I've missed making the cut at a 5-2 and two record plenty of times in tournaments. I really kind of wanted to make it to the 
top eight. I know it's going to make the tournaments longer, and that's going to make it more of a chore for the organizers. Yeah, I still think for whatever the different suggestions are, the primary impetus behind people wanting the cut system change is exactly the reason that Kevin just said, which is, I want it to be easier for me to make the cut. Well, it's also... Well, to be fair, it really sucks to have... 8th and ninth place are separated by, like, 0.1% of tiebreaker. And, 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 you know, a lot of times, like, your, your, ti- your tiebreakers are not under your control. You don't get to choose, like, pretty much who, who you play against in a tournament. You, the, if you run into that guy who's just really bad as your start match, and then you go 5-2 and two and everybody else you played against was solid, it's not, it's not exactly... An indication of your your strength is just you got unlucky as far as who you played. Well, it's the strength of your schedule. I mean, but there 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 also is a big difference. I mean, you are playing against better players if you win early and then lose late, than vice versa. And that yeah, true more than anything is the big thing that determines your strength of schedule is not whether or not the round one guy goes on to do well or do badly. Although. Obviously, that matters when the percentages get really close. The big thing is just when do you start taking losses? If you win your first four games and then you lose two of the next three or you win your first five and then you lose two, you're going to end up with pretty good tiebreakers as a 5-2 even if the guy that you beat in the first round drops after a few rounds. I mean, it's only when you get a little bit further down into the 5-2s, I think that those things start mattering. Uh, but the other option, of course, you don't have to go to a 5-2s make the cut or what we have now. You could always just basically go back to the cuts like they used to be, which is, you know, you hit top 8 and top 16 earlier than you used to. But you were playing back before the great disaster of a couple of years ago when they like decided to get rid of the elim rounds, basically? I don't think so. Okay, the under the let's just call it the classic system although they i mean if you go back far enough you start seeing things like double elimination tournaments i think like the day of thunder was a double elimination tournament just the whole thing you'd have the number of rounds more precisely determined by the number of players by the whole you play enough rounds so that there should be exactly one undefeated guy and then you do the cut from there and you cut off for top 16 with something like 64 instead of 81 like it is now. And yeah. I don't remember and the cut for top 8 was something like 33. This was as back as early Samurai edition. Yeah, this, they were doing this, this was only a couple. I mean this was like the 2009 Kote yeah. season. This is and and a couple of years before that that's how the Swiss and cut systems were. Then they started a thread on the AEG boards where people could offer up ideas about what different cut systems there might be and how you might want to change the floor rules and what they should go to. And then Colson decided to ignore everything that the player said and put into place what he wanted, which was a system where you played like a million Swiss rounds and then cut to cop the top like three quarters of a player. I exaggerate, but this was, I mean, you, obviously, but I mean, you'd play like nine rounds of Swiss yeah. for for most of the, like eight yeah. or nine rounds of Swiss for Cote, and then there were relatively small 
cuts. Yeah, you had to get really huge before you weren't a top eight anymore. Uh, yeah, and I guess, I mean, in theory, the sort of argument that was advanced was that it, it's sort of like you're replacing the first round of the elims with another Swiss round, which in some ways was, in some ways wasn't. It was different in that, unlike in the elim rounds, if you went into the last round of Swiss and then you lost, you were still going to make the cut. Whereas, obviously, if that's an elimination round and you lose, then you're, done. you're, you're out. And I, I think the two sort of things that that did, you know, sort of semi-speculating at why the point was, is that I, the old cut system frequently let some number of four threes in to the cuts. When you cut to top 16 in the low 60s, or certainly anywhere below that, you are going to have four yeah. threes make the cut. And also, I know that there are, are some players, and I get the impression also Colson, who did not like how little it mattered if you came out as one of the top couple of guys after Swiss. You know, if you were running a top 16, it was probably a best of one. And so, you know, you always, people always talk about the Swiss curse. You go undefeated, and then you mm -hmm. lose your one game in the top 16 to the guy who's 16th, and you're done. And, you know, now it doesn't matter that you had won eight rounds straight or whatever it was in the the elimination rounds. And you can see that coming out if you talk about, like what I was just saying, if you talk about replacing the first round of Swiss, sorry, the first round of the Elims with another round of Swiss where if you're one of the top couple of guys, the way it's not like the Elims is that you don't actually get knocked out <laughs> if you lose. Right. Yeah. But of course, by the same token, in the same way, there are certain people who, if you'd made the cut, no, had a chance, but now have no chance. Yeah, yeah, and I think I, I think that got argued a lot, and I, I think eventually that sort of line of reasoning went away as people started playing the Cotes, and they realized that's not how it worked out. Because I know at the Atlanta Cote that year, I went in, there was going to be a cut to the top eight, and I think I ended up X and or I mean whatever it, it was the, the yeah. bubble number and in that last round I was one of those guys that had there been to a cut to a top 16 I would have made the top 16 and then I and I won my last round but I was still you know 10th or something I, I don't remember right. exactly what and and let me make it very clear I mean the rules were in advance I'm not saying oh whiny wine it's awful I should have made the cut or, or whatever but I mean you can't say that it's exactly the same thing because I think a lot of no. people were kind of arguing that oh it really is the same thing as replacing one Elim round with the Swiss which it wasn't yeah. but that went away because um, everyone hated it I mean there were people at Gen Con that year talking about raising money to send Coulson to the like the Klingon jail or whatever <laughs> they have at at Gen Con uh, as you know, as a punishment for the <laughs> for the the system, and so yeah, we we've changed it to this year, and and this year, unlike the the more classic system, the number of rounds isn't that variable, and I know we've talked about how we think that's a problem at very small tournaments because one, I think a lot of small tournaments even if they're storyline events, just don't follow the floor rules because nobody wants to play a 14-man event with six rounds, which is what the floor rules yeah. say you have to do. And then a cut. I mean, that's only a cut to a top two, but I mean, you have to play seven rounds between Swiss and Elims for a 14-person tournament. But 
The other thing is that, yeah, you don't cut to a top eight, I think, until you get to 40 or 41. You don't cut to a top 16 until you get to to 80. And I think the point is that people, I guess, people like the bigger cuts more, I think. Yeah. And... Hey, this is Chris doing my editing some two weeks after the fact now. You may have noticed that things just cut off. This is going to be the first of three times this episode that technical difficulties get in the way. Unlike several episodes ago where we basically lost an entire episode to technical difficulties, this episode has three segments, one of which has an issue in the middle, one of which has an issue at the beginning, and one of which has an issue at the end. So here you're basically missing the rest of our discussion about the cut system. The short version is that everyone on the podcast but me likes going to the golf cut. Everyone who's five and two makes it. I think that we should go to a bigger cut because that's what more players want and there isn't really a good objective reason not to go to the bigger cut. Everybody else wants 5-2, I think because they really don't like the tiebreakers. I think that the strength of schedule tiebreakers are perfectly fine. We're going to pick up again in a second here with me saying something about playing Spider at Katsu at Kote. And I have to tell you, I honestly have no idea how we got to that point. actually played breeder at the cote and and won i would have picked katsu i always liked him and he just kind of vanished off the yeah the map for a while i always wanted him to accomplish something other than being daigatsu's monkey experiment yeah i well he just had a much more interesting start and has i guess oh yeah now he just shows up when daigatsu needs to use his cell phone <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the crane political warfare. Oh my gosh! I'm and sorry. then who knew scorpion political warfare? Really? Yes. And in between those was siege warfare. There's just siege warfare. Yes. There. Yes. Tactical masters. Honor is a secondary fallback option for them. Oh but boy! Primarily a military deck. Paragons of Shurido. Shocker. Turns out it's all paragons in political warfare. Paragons in warfare. And then uh, Unicorn have Children of the Four Winds, which is their tactician theme. I have to look at this again, because this is one of these write-ups where I think, if you look at these write-ups, right. like the first couple of paragraphs are written <laughs> by the story match. team, and the last paragraph is written by the design team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then that's how they, I mean, I think that's how they all are. But this one, the, the flavor write-up is talking about all this stuff with the Shinjo scouts and then you get down to the the design team sort of section and I don't see anything oh, yeah, about scouts in that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's a tactician theme. Who knows? And then the most recently previewed one was Shock Scorpion Ninja which if I can summarize the write-up is 
Since the earliest days of the Empire, the Scorpion Ninja of the Shishura family have received the blessings of the Shadow Dragon. Uh, well, sorry, the, the Lying nothing. Darkness, the Nothing, a universe-destroying godlike entity that uh, predates the existence of Rokugen. Semi-phenomenal nearly cosmic powers? Yes. Since then, Anybody they have lost space? the blessings yes. of the Nothing. But instead, they train really hard and receive the exact same results. <laughs> really makes you wonder what they were getting out of the Lying Darkness. If you could just work I think really he was, hard and they, get the I think same he was thing. holding out on them. Yeah. <laughs> they eat the raw eggs, run up the stairs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but, but the no. scorpion, instead of using uh, beef carcasses, use small crane children. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the scorpion children, or maybe like ninja students are the ones that are getting beat up and that just toughens them up. That's part of their training. These are some great mental pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually does in the write-up note that they start training the ninjas as children. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think the first game that children, the scorpion ninja children learn how to play is hide-and-seek. Hide-and-seek or die. <laughs> I see you! Whack! I should not see you! Oh! That's, there's something else we uh, forgot about. They've got that, they announced the new board game. Which board game? Ninja. Ninja Legend ninja. of the Scorpion Clan. I'm sure you'll love that game. It's a... I like ninjas, actually. Investigation yeah. sort of game. Right. It sounded entirely like it's some sneaky investigation game, and they just slapped uh, L5R onto it. Is it like it. there's two teams, basically? Uh, there's the ninja, and there's everyone else, I think. Or well, I, uh, I wasn't clear. It sounded like if you have two people... One of you is the the ninja, one of you is the guard. If you have three people, two of you are ninjas, and I don't know. I don't know. It was unclear from the write-up. I think they're going to have it at Gen Con. What I heard was that if you have three people, two of you are ninjas, and one of you is the guard. If you have four people, There's two of you are the guard. Wait a minute, wait. Why is he now talking about what he's heard when a second ago he didn't, <laughs> he know he didn't even know what game I was talking about? I'd forgotten about it. <laughs> See, I told you, we forget things on this show. <laughs> so how can we trust that you remember this correctly? Yeah, you can't. Well, yeah, I will we'll worry about If you go that up to five it... players, one of the guards is a ninja. Chris, it's because it said Scorpion, so Kevin officially disavowed all knowledge of it? Yes. Uh, yes, no, what is that, Justin? It's going to be the... Battlestar Galactica expansion for yes. Well, oh yeah. <laughs> yes. If there's five players, one of you is a ninja. If there's six players, two of you are ninja, and one of you is a sympathizer. It's better than making a monk game where you, everyone just sits around and meditates for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I believe that would be something like Kung Fu Legend of the Dragon Clan. Yes. Yeah, you had somebody. Can't uh, wait for the Phoenix one. We'll get the blow stuff up. <laughs> You've had you had someone complaining on the board, and I've seen a number of related one things where people were like, "There is no such thing as a scorpion ninja. The scorpion have shinobi. The uh, <laughs> it's the lying darkness had ninja." And you have to be like, "Well, you know, there's two things. One, you can't. You're not going to call Stop the me. game that. It, it's just it's just ninja. Shinobi. It's fine. Yeah. I thought shinobi. And two, shut up. Anyway. <laughs> Realistically, it's just shut up. <laughs> um, in episode three eight seven, Scratchy struck the same rib twice in succession, but it produced two very different tones. How do you explain that? Well, it's. Uh, I think people go back to the the bit, and I think it's all the way back in Way of the Scorpion, where they talk about how it's only like trainees who actually wear the black black pajamas yeah, and and yeah. run around and and then once you succeed and they have little name tags that say hello I'm hello, a trainee yeah hello well they say hello bright, I'm a ninja the bright orange name tags but, you can but, see them but real scorpion shinobi don't wear that sort of outfit and stuff but of course 
we we have in fact seen over and over and over again scorpion ninja wearing, wearing the with literally outfit. the ninja word on their card wearing the pajamas like it's look at Soshi Tenbin, master master killer. Oh, he must be a trainee. He's got the pajamas yeah. on. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see more ninja that don't look like ninja at all. That just like look like a dude, just no. some guy. Because then people would look at the card and be like, "What the heck? It's a ninja, but this guy doesn't look like a ninja." Like yeah. like to see one where the art's like a peasant, but with a, a poison blade or something. Yeah, people just need to let like it's just sometimes you just gotta let it go. <laughs> Willing suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Well, Where's the or, fun in that? Yeah, not not fixating too much on on frankly anything from a way of the X book <laughs> should not be fixated <laughs> on too much. Somewhat old books. Well, it, it's not just that they're old, but they're also full of flies. <laughs> <laughs> written in a very interpretive yes. sort of yeah, way. Okay. Like this yes. is this clan sort of take on how awesome they are in the history of Yeah, Wick was not great on the objective uh history. <laughs> well I like I like those I though. Did too. I really like the way of books. You just you know had to take can't be literally like, like a crane says that the crane you know, are the best duelist in the that, Roku God. Yeah, yeah that any Kikita could beat any tra- of course you know they I don't know. Although Way of the Scorpion does have the uh uh, a funny little bit where they go through and kind of make fun of all the other all other clans, clans. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like the one, and it, and it wraps up with the one from the the scorpion runs into the dragon or Tagashi or or whatever, and Tagashi's like, "Well, you did this, you did that, you did the other. Why should I? You know, how do you know I want to?" He's like, "Well, because you watched me do all that stuff and you didn't do anything about it. So shut up." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I remember something that. like, yeah. imagine what I've got planned for you. I'm gonna be over here. Uh, you just go on imagining. Oh, hey, I won because you're just sitting there imagining. <laughs> yeah, but let's see. That was Ninja. Do we have anything else exciting? Kote season is over. Yep. Hooray! Hooray. Have we got the final numbers compiled yet? Well, there there aren't really going to be final numbers for Kote season. Although you're not the only one to ask for them, I wasn't really planning on it because the last three weeks of Kote season aren't—they're a different format. The same, yeah, they aren't the the same format. Uh, I mean, right. we did. I it's it's been so long now since I wrote them up and put up. I did. I put up. I mean, the final numbers are on our forums for the dead of winter section of the Kote season. Slacks won the listener contest. Hooray! I believe. Sparks? It wasn't Ab. Whatever I said. Oh, crud. I think it's, I think it's Sparks. <laughs> that guy. Uh, well, he's got... I can even picture his avatar. It's the right. sort of yeah, face coming up out of it. That's, that's Sparks. That's Sparks. Okay. Not trousers. If you listen to this show, you might have won. He already, he already <laughs> knows. Uh, because I, I, I wanted to be cutesy, and I posted up the final numbers, and then... Uh, ironically, he started going. But hey, who does that mean? One? I'd be like, well, actually, you. you. Thanks for like, thanks for spoiling it. That's why I don't get your name right on the podcast, apparently, because I didn't have to bother to write down notes to to remind you. Uh, <laughs> the moral of the story is: ask who won our contest, because it might be you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, ask I think we Chris said, yeah. frequently. Yes. In fact, we're going to have another contest where whoever asks us who wins it first wins. Yes. But first you, you have to figure out nothing. what the contest is <laughs> to ask me. And we're not going to specify what you win. So, uh, I actually have some stuff to give around. Oh, that was another. I, I got after the South Carolina Cote. I was one of the, uh, I was a brave soul who then went to the Tennessee. tournament that was in Tennessee. Yeah. 
the weekend after that. They unfortunately got stuck with the Siege Con that they had. I mean, they were able to put it on Sunday, but it ended up being the same weekend as the South Carolina Cote. So oh. they were not going to get a lot of out-of-state people coming in, you know, like, oh, I just drove to the South Carolina Cote and then I drove over, but I went up there. Evan was running it and Sean was there. And so uh, that was pretty nice. But I actually, the most notable thing out of that tournament was getting to to talk to Sean. I actually, I feel like I'm taking pleasure in someone's frustration, but (laughs) I I really like the fact that he was frustrated with the pace of the story because I know that's something that we have said and a lot of people said is that it feels like the story is just stuck. We've talked about how because of the change in arc, they've had to delay, they've kind of had to put the story on hold for six months or something like that while they had to do this Cote season. And talking to Sean, it's actually more like 10 months that they've had to fill, basically, of story. With not much story, yeah. yeah. That, that if it wasn't for the changeover, Celestial Edition would have ended like no later than last year's World Championships. And it probably would have ended then, and now they have to fill all the way to, I don't know, whenever Gen Con or... I, probably Gen Con, because Gen, yeah, cause I think Gen Con is Worlds this year, but whenever it is. All, all the way out there. And so... I guess I was glad to see that it, it seemed like it frustrated him because it's not it, it's not like the story team doesn't realize that things yeah. have been dragging and they seem very excited to get on with it. <laughs> you know, for Cote season to be over, for them to actually be able to wrap up Celestial Edition and to finally start... get around to killing Jimin well, and all those other plot lines. Yeah, they, they get to wrap well and. Well, I'll say to be fair or, I don't know, to be mean or I don't know what, but the Jim and Noritoshi plot line has been hanging out way longer than some 10-month hang-up. Yes, that's, true. That's I just, just want to see Jim and Noritoshi Karmic Strike the end. I, Hooray! Yeah, it needs to And end. then one or both of them come back as zombies. <laughs> no. <laughs> and, then the zombie zomb- part now. and then the zombie of the, of them are now locked in another epic feud between wait, wait, the two of them. Wait, where's the plug for Jay's mic? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can actually do that now. <laughs> Cut his mic. Cut his mic. I, I, yes, I, We're on I Fox. Cut his mic. I don't think I even have to pull your mic. I think I can just put the volume <laughs> down on the the preamp all the way. Not not bad. Yes, but they there's that, and then we get to go on to Second City where they get to basically tell whatever story that they want, where they can now write fictions that are this is this person's entire life is going to be this fiction because it's the the 25 years right it's the bridge yeah time jump Th- this is the equivalent of the set which will not be named yes which yes <laughs> we can name it spirit wars they can't name it but oh yeah can't they name it there's oh. some it's, it's some sort of it's legal the, limbo it's not owned by them yeah, or something they don't, they don't have the copyright on the storyline for that era I don't know exactly who does or exactly how it ended up like that, but it may have something to do with the fact that that was that was the last set that that was the last Watsy set was Watsy or did it get yeah because then Gold was the Gold first was one AEG. when AEG got yeah. it back. I think anywhere they do mention it, they call it the War of Spirits, and yeah, it's just the War kind of, of the Spirits. Or I, I'm not sure what exactly it is, but there's some legal issue with it, which is because I know that I always my favorite L5R RPG books are the sort of timeline books where you have Time yeah. of the Void or the Four Winds or something. I always used to be like, I want to get one of those for Spirit Wars. No. 
No. Not going to happen. I think I've still got a spirit clan starter deck sitting around somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Shrine of the Spirits, which you cannot play anywhere ever. It's because it's banned in Legacy. Yeah. I don't. How would you like to start with six provinces? I don't know if it's banned in War that of Honor horrible. or not. Who knows? Because yeah. they haven't announced the. Come on, Reese, announce the War of Honor banned list, please. <laughs> uh, we know two banned cards so far, right? Uh, Chagatron and, and in time of war. In time, time of war, right? Chag, yeah, yeah. In time of war is specifically banned in War of Honor, and Chagatai is banned because any card that was banned. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. We we already We've blathered about that. this, didn't they? Yes. Including the rat that got the rat preemptively banned. He didn't get banned. He got unbugged. <laughs> There's <laughs> this a legal- important difference. His reality <laughs> bug was is yes. ignored. What lets you pretend that you didn't just ban a card? Right. Well, also, uh, legacy. He's not banned in leg- in legacy, but well, stuff is only stuff isn't banned in legacy based on whether or not it was banned yeah. during the arc. Yeah, legacy is its own thing for ban. Yeah, I mean, he wouldn't be legal in extended because if you're if you're if you're talking about celestial and samurai arc, he's still not legal. Right. However, you if, slice if it. If they had done an extended in samurai edition, he would have still been legal, but they didn't. So who cares? Yes. yes. We can. Who cares? Never worry about that ever again. Hooray. Okay, I think we've fulfilled our jibber-jabber quota. Yes. All right, we're done. Enough jibber-jabber. No more jibber-jabber. Yes. Well, here's the second of our two technical difficulties since the beginning of the next segment is messed up. But first, let me note that since we recorded this episode, they finally did post the banned list for War of Honor. Most notably, Chagatai XP4, which we had mentioned in the preceding segment as being a card that was getting banned, actually ended up not getting banned in War of Honor. In Time of War, did get banned. Also, Claiming the Throne, Yoritomo Ascends, Daidoji Gisei, Hidden Scandal, and Only Action Speak were banned. Now, the upcoming segment that you're going to miss the beginning of is about the strategy of splitting your attacks. Because this segment was Kevin's idea, you're actually missing out mostly on him talking at the beginning. So, if you were hoping that by missing segments, you'd miss more of my droning voice. Oh, were you mistaken? So there, that are more, yeah, able to split on the attack. Yeah, Mantis certainly can split oh, yeah. a lot oh, yeah. more readily than everyone else. Definitely out of Dragon Guard City, yeah, uh, in particular because. When they need more extra force, they can always shore it up with by buying an extra follower. And getting that naval reaction at every battlefield you want to actually take it at is pretty nifty. It, yes, because the the sneak attack effects make it very difficult to split to defend the provinces. And it, it, there's a variety of compounding things on there. Not only can you add force on later with Dragon's Guard City, but if you start with a follower on there, then now you're immune to one of the two primary presenceless effects in the environment. I think another example of a deck that, that has a tendency to split are any of the Kensai decks, like the Monk Kensai or the Dragon Kensai deck, or along those lines, Crab Berserkers. 
And I think what makes splitting on the attack work for those, in those cases, is that there's a lot of resiliency there. True. Like when you when you split on the attack with Kensai, for example, you've got it's not unstoppable cut, is it? Unstoppable cut stops you from getting moved home. Yeah, got an unstoppable cut, which can prevent you from being moved home. Now there's uh, Muscle and Steel, which works with a lot of Kensai decks, because some of them are running the really expensive weapons. You'll probably be running your Rising Sun Blades and all that. Yeah, and then Hundredfold Cut that negates you dying. Yeah. Another deck that does it pretty well, I found, is the Scorpion Ninjas, because realistically, if you fail to crack the province, then they just say, Okay, well, I kill the card that was in that province anyway and retreat all my guys. Well, and also with the ninja, it's like, okay, I'm going to split here. You've got one defender. Pick one. Wherever you go, I'm going to resolve the other battle first and move all my and guys do funky over there. Stuff, yeah. Right. Yeah, the ninja's got all kinds of force pumps and movement tricks they can use. And, and they've got um, out of nowhere, which they can just pop a guy out if they need to to add the force to the battle. And then a similar, though, different thing is, in my, my Phoenix deck, I've got a splash of cavalry, but not pure cavalry. So I will often send all my infantry at one place, and then send all my cavalry somewhere else, either to draw out the defenders, or uh, just to get a free province with one or the other. Yeah, sometimes you just happen to draw your huge province-crushing cavalry tactician champion, and... Yes. Yeah. yeah. There's your thing. That's that's. When do you split on attack? When I'm playing unicorn. What? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I I think that there are a lot of commonalities that go around you at the core. As completely uninsightful as it is, you split on the attack when you think that you can. You have a reasonable chance of being able to take two provinces without really reducing your chance of being able to take one province. And more generally I'd say that you would you want to split when you think that splitting will increase your odds of taking more provinces than if you don't split. Yeah. Because well, there have been times where I will split my cavalry off to go get a free province where I think if I bring it in with my infantry, everything will get slaughtered. Well yeah, that should be a no-brainer if yeah. you think that... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you guys bothered... It's almost like, why did you bother assigning your infantry in that to, attack? To pull all their <laughs> defenders. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll sacrifice one infantry guy to pull three defenders in and then sleaze a province. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, I think the first... I think the first province you want to take is more valuable than the second. So I guess... I mean, if you could attack and have a... 100% chance of taking one province or you could split and have a 50% chance of taking two or a 50% chance of taking none I don't think you're actually splitting in that yeah, point. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Taking the first province is just a huge drain on how much stuff they're seeing. Yeah, well, plus, if well, you and split and once you're splitting, you're often being attrited more than, which is why two of the other things that, you know, and everything that we've talked about here that come up as far as when it can be helpful to split is if you have cavalry, which lets you have the second province or the first yeah. if you're the unicorn be unopposed, or if you have something that effectively lets you take the first action, either because you have sneak attack or because you have naval or because you have good negation that they get to take the first action, but then it's not going to matter. And then you get to kill the guy anyway. Yeah. 
and you know both of those just go towards drastically increasing the chance that you are in fact going to take the the second province uh, now a deck that just because i played with it this season that splits its attack that doesn't really fit into any of those categories are the lion decks. Yeah, I was actually going to say that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the last deck I would probably talk about is, is lion. Now, what I found with lion is that because you got all those tacticians, you can get the force that you need by, you know, tacking cards. They can buy the province. Right. Yeah. But I, I think the thing that works with lion is because you can, there are, lion's got so many move-in cards. And, and that's another thing that works with, with the Kensai deck in particular is that a lot of the Kensai deck run move-ins, so when they get rid of your person, you can move them back in. Yeah, I, I think the Lion, to some extent, is just uh, you're always going first, which is a you big know, deal. gives yeah. you an upside when you're doing your attacks. And then just that their selection of stuff is so good that you can be... Yeah, c- combined with the fact that you, you have move-in where you can, like I use Kasei to move in, this guy, and then I move that guy to move in somebody else uh, to shift around where I can really split at two and be like, that's okay, my half an army can take out, can take on all your defenders, what do I care? Mm-hmm. I, I, know, I know when I was playing with Trevor sitting over my shoulder, there were sometimes he wanted to split on three, but that didn't usually seem to go well. Trevor uh. plays fast and loose with the number of provinces he attacks at. Well, I think Trevor yeah. plays differently to some extent when he gets into a real tournament than when he's Messing around. expounding yeah. on how you should be playing with the deck. <laughs> True enough. But, and, and, then, and it, it can be important. Of course, a lot of the times we've talked about relatively high under clans splitting here. You know, your mid or high under clans that have the more cavalry or lion or something. Low under clans at some point often have to split yeah, yeah a lot of times unless your mantis going off your guidance, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> May that card go away and never come back. <laughs> Hint: Don't print cards that don't have a gold cost and that give you free provinces. But no. Yeah. That, that's Lost so many games to that card. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, when you didn't play back, when they printed a crab stronghold with that reaction <laughs> on it. The first time yeah, each game, you take a province, gain, gain a province. Yeah, you can just—it's there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. that. <laughs> it's been so long ago. I don't remember how the various ups and downs of things. Where there were some really great honor decks at the time, and it didn't really help you that much against them. But that was amazing against military. It was kind of like a a lesser version of the Rattlings at the time, where. You could just massacre another military deck, but you couldn't beat on it to save your life. Yeah. Mm. That's what you wanted to talk about in the splitting the attack section, right, yeah. there, Kevin? <laughs> so I think where we where we where we got segued uh, was you were talking about when when you're playing a low honor client, sometimes you find you need to. Yeah, because the I mean the other guy, if you just trade one for one, you lose. You got to catch up somehow. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in, in that case, you're military on military, so there's a lot less concern over the presenceless defense so if you can yeah. if you can dance around their defense more easily I don't think you can assume that a military deck doesn't have outer walls, outer walls in it but uh, that's probably the only I think it's the primary presence list you have to worry about that or just them trying to move in to fight you so hopefully you can just kill the guy yeah but I mean obviously if you're the low honor military clan at some point you either have to break an attack 
or you have to be able to attack back and take two, or the, the numbers just don't add up. Some decks just don't have the force to do much stuff in terms of splitting provinces. When I'm playing monks, I've always found that you get your huge force when people stand in front of you and let you chain a million actions that give you force bonuses, and you really want to see as many opposed battles as you want to because the reaction on your stronghold is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, monks often doesn't play with attachments. I think attachments yeah. can make it easier yeah. to split because you're just grabbing, you know, just drop a bunch of force now. Yeah, you can much drop more easily get thing this guy gets a province, force, that guy gets a province. Now I just need one guy to hang around at the battle to get that province. Yeah, well, yeah. and that's that's one of the reasons why big attachments get played substantially more than small attachments, because yeah. you really, when you're dropping attachments on guys, a lot of times you really want that guy to actually be able to take the province if he's left there standing at the battle. So, another place where I think you could split on the attack is when you want you need to split up your opponent's defender. Like, there's that one guy who you really just he'll 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 massacre your entire army if he you stand against right uh i think the i think the most obvious example for me play experience was when i was playing against a last one deck because i you know they had that last one guy in play there there was nothing i could do them i had to attack two provinces in order to take one right that's what i was saying earlier that sometimes i'll send my chud guy at one province and then my cavalry somewhere else just to draw your defender to that one chud who I'm I'm sacrificing the chud to get another province. Now the thing about that is that you have to make sure that you're able to threaten both of those provinces. Otherwise True. They, yeah. they're gonna just defend where with it where it matters. Right. Or alternatively, if that's your strategy, like with the ninja, have the ability to move your guys out. Right. I think the last example that I was thinking of, and this is really, really specific, is, is the crab guidance. I mean, that's well, that's, yeah, that's kind of an obvious <laughs> one right there. Yeah, I assigned Kuon to this province. Yes, and then Hida blows it up. And I assigned everybody else over here. That should be an ancestor. Hida blows it up. Yeah. So, <laughs> if, so if you're a crab player and you are not aware of that trick, <laughs> now you should be. In that case, we're very sorry for the rest of your playgroup now. And we would like to apologize to them. Any other thoughts? This is your segment. My segment. <laughs> I've been given a segment. Yay. Just the one. Just the one. Don't let it go to your head. It happens every so often. I think that's it. Okay. I'm curious, though, at the beginning, you said you wanted to have another strategy segment where we talked about splitting attacks. What was the first strategy segment that we had? I thought we usually tried to avoid displaying our ignorance. <laughs> Uh, border keeping. Oh, yeah. That uh, was pretty easy. Discard your personalities yes. when you're border yes. keeping. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's it for this one. I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is a Strange Assembly review of Nightfall Martial Law. With me today are Jay Earl, hello, Kevin Kennedy, hello, and Justin Purdy. Hi, everybody. Apparently, it's Justin's turn with the silly introduction. <laughs> Nightfall Martial Law is the first expansion for AEG's Nightfall deck building game. It is a standalone expansion, but we're 
mostly going to assume in this podcast that you have played Nightfall and know how to play the game. Then you can go back and listen to our review of the original Nightfall if you want to learn how the game goes. Martial Law adds basically doubles what was in the original box. Just like the original Nightfall, there is one minion and one order for each of the supported moon color combinations. So there are 24 new cards in here. As in the base Nightfall, you get nice dividers for everything. You also get dividers that are labeled starting deck, which I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I find that quite nice. I don't need to split yeah. my... Break the deck down every time and reassemble and it every time. two of every card over and over again. Yeah, especially because in Nightfall it has that nice feature of quickly exiling your starting deck. You often end up with a stack that is literally just yes. your starting deck for the next game. Yep. Yeah. No need to split the back up. Uh, Nightfall Martial Law introduces two new mechanics. Uh, one is that there are now two different kinds of wounds. There are normal wounds uh, that, uh, if you uh, forgot, let you draw more cards at the end of your turn when your hand is clogged with them. The new wounds say martial law on them as well, and you can discard those during a fight to inflict more damage. The other new mechanic is called feed, and feed only appears on orders. It lets you pay some cost usually discarding cards from your hand, in order to have the effect resolve multiple times. You just resolve the chain text, and then you pay the feed cost, and you, you resolve the chain text again. again, and you can do it over and over and over again. As long as you can Hooray. pay whatever the feed cost the is. the unfortunate side effect of making some of the cards in the set kind of broken. Yeah, there are some feed cards that it feels like you would never or would never rarely... Ever pay the feed. Yeah, you, you rarely want to discard two cards to do a point of damage. I, I don't think you very often want to do that. But I think what we're thinking about is, in particular, there's one card, Bleak Resurrection, where the text is, put a minion from your discard pile into play, and the feat is, discard a card. So you can discard a minion from your hand to pay the cost, and then put the minion into play. So it's not really a cost for the feed. You just get to... Play all your minions. Yes, yeah. play... Just play every minion in your hand. And most of the ones in your discard pile, too. Yeah, we've played multiple games where if you actually can get a big hand, which, you know, is relevant. If you can't get a substantial hand, then you can't bleak resurrection for nearly as much. But if you get a substantial hand, for example, using Brenna and Taylor, a minion that, com <laughs> that draws cards and combos with it, and as far as the moon colors go then, yeah, you just yeah. get to put every, however many cards you have in your hand, you get that many minions plus one in play. And to be fair, Bleak Resurrection does combo into blue cards, which tend to draw you more cards. Yeah. Yes. So, I, I think, on the whole, we are not a fan of the new feed mechanic. Well, I, it's, it's, personally, it's not that I'm not a fan of the feed mechanic, it's that I think they did not cost it appropriately. Like, I think Bleak Resurrection, if it was two cards to recur one minion, it would be yeah. a lot less overstrong, if not broken. I mean, it, yeah, it would I still be strong, but it wouldn't be outright broken. I feel like every Whereas other the, feed card, <clears throat> the cost is just too much. Yeah. And that this is the one card 
where it's just super cheap and there's not much in the middle. Yeah, I think the moral of the story is you have to be very careful any time that you put a mechanic into a game that your players can use an infinite number of times, theoretically. Yeah. Infinite is less than good. So... And it didn't ruin the game when it when someone had a bunch of bleak resurrections and a bunch of cards, but it was just obviously a big deal when That's someone was... because we all made a concerted effort <laughs> yes. to gang up on Chris. Well, there's, yeah. a, uh, there's a... It's a giant bullseye. There's a very clear built-in pound on the leader that is going to happen in any game of Nightfall if people are paying attention. I, and, you know, actually trying to win, obviously, if there can be political things or who's buddies with who or, or whatever, is it's very easy to keep track of who's currently in the lead because you can just count in your head the number of wounds that each other player has received. And, you know, when one guy does drop into play 40 power worth of minions, and I think I did attack yeah, yeah. in excess of... Because each of you guys... Everybody was, got eight wounds and you killed everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. after having... Uh, TPK. Because uh, yeah. you At had Koi James four, as well. if not six bad smokes died. <laughs> and you did 24 yeah. wounds. Because I didn't win that game. Which... Well, no, because you did that way too early. Yeah, well, it's it's just <laughs> when it comes up. And that's, yeah, that's... I, I dropped all that into play. My follow-up the next turn was... Nothing. nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, things being over the top one card compared to another card in Nightfall don't necessarily result in you winning. And so, I mean, it's not imbalanced in that way, but I guess it felt like there were a lot of new cards in Martial Law that were really really strong. A lot more cards that you went, you know, that hit the table and you're like, oh, gods, somebody has to deal with that. Yeah, there were a lot of target-rich environments going on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think in the second game I played, I had like very, very few creatures in play. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, God, if these guys attack me, <laughs> I'm going to lose hard. Yeah. But everybody else had just such had ridiculous like, horrible stuff things in front of them that they, that like everybody kind of ignored me. Well, I think at least the way that we have been playing, and maybe it's not is, is that we have, people have not gone for just alpha strikes. The, oh, I've got. 12 power of attack early on I'm going to ignore the people who have bad smokes up and I'm just going to choose the player who doesn't have anything and put him out of the game by giving him 12 wounds right now people have usually tried to distribute things more than that and I think in that last game I think in that last game just people were mostly relying on someone else to Finally, it smacked you. There was a lot of focus on that game on trying to dealing kill... Dealing with all the minions in play rather than... Yeah, dealing with dealing all the wounds. Legion 10s. Yeah. There were just a huge number of minions in play that stayed in play or sucked up all the wounds when they... Yeah, there are a lot more minions in martial law that stay in play, which I think does really change the flow of the game, especially when it's uh, one of the couple of minions that actually have health yeah, and when normally and it's at a disadvantage to play your minions on the turn to your right because then they attack and immediately disappear. Whereas if they hang out, you play them on your right, they immediately get. It's the advantage to play them on the turn to your right because they get to attack and they hang around for defense later. Well, I think I disagree. It's I think you're actually 
most advantageous always to play them on the turn of your player to your right because then they come in and you get to massacre people. <laughs> and then I guess they're not open, but it's also, I, I don't know what other people think, but I, I always look carefully on my turn before I bother chaining on my turn. I need to have, I need to be able to, if I'm not Do putting something into, really good, if I'm not, or if I'm not putting into play good defensive minions or things that are going to kill personalities or kill minions that the guy on my left puts out, I don't, you don't want to hand him something? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to chain and put in some two-power, one-health guy and then have the player on my left drop three minions into play and then beat me over the head with them at the start of his turn. Yeah. That's, that's... It seems like when you have the most massive wound handouts going on in Nightfall is when you get to drop it on the turn of the player to your right because the rest of the players don't have the chance to... And your shoot guys. down your stuff, yeah. Yeah. Well, n- not only have there there hasn't been a turn since then, but your minions don't even come into play until after the other two guys' orders and minions have resolved, so yeah. they can't kill they your can't guys with it, yeah. with come into play text or chain effects. So I guess there's no such thing as a come into play text. They're all chain effects, <laughs> even on the minions. Mm. Yeah. But that's probably enough strategy. You probably want to hear more about what's in. Uh, the set. Uh, in addi- so there's Bleak Resurrection, which we talked about just drops lots and lots of minions into play. Yep. Another card that we mentioned was Brenna and Taylor, who the Myriad Games podcast guys entertainingly dubbed the Olsen Twins. With good reason. Yes. 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 And they stay in, they, they have very little health, they have very little strength, but they just stay in play and draw you car- extra cards at the end of your turn. Which is worth it. You you do have to watch out if you just have a lot of Brenna and Taylors in play because everybody will then go like, oh, that's such a good card and make you a target and Brenna and Taylor has no mm. capability whatsoever to defend you. Not but really, in no. our second game, I don't I don't think the Brenna and Taylors made it around the table past the first turn. I think they were snatched up. Yeah, they were yeah. snatched up in the in, in the, in the like first, first round turn. and then Chris bought the last two and on his, first, yes. his second turn. I bought two Jay bought three, Kevin and Justin didn't buy any, I bought the other two, and they were gone. Yeah. And then the Legion 10s were quickly gone as well, because Because that, they combo well with her. That, uh, well, it, it, and because the Legion 10 is cheap, Yeah, it's got a lot of force, and it sucks up damage like nobody's business. Yeah, Legion 10 is a high force, and it's got in play text that whenever it blocks something, you'd not, you, know, you don't get trampled over and take the he damage. So the damage. it's only got one health, so it's it's always it's going to die, die when it blocks, and it's easy to kill with various other card effects. But when your opponent sends a five force minion at you, the Legion Ten is gonna suck, that's suck job. it up. Yeah. So and yeah, and Legion Ten and Bleak Resurrection are yellow primary moons together. Like I said, there's a an order and a minion for each of those, and they both combo directly back and forth into Brenna and Taylor, who has a blue moon and then goes into yellow. The match for Brenna and Taylor is the order is sweep and clear, which it just lets you draw a card. That's never shabby. Yeah, it's not bad, but... but and it's it's another one that's got a feed on it of discard two cards, so you can keep pitching two to draw one. 
I don't know why he would want to. I don't know why you want to. Wounds. I guess, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's another feed that you're not too scary. Let's see, what other are cards scared us in this? Koi Jang, there's several yep. Jang family vampires in there, but Koi gives all of your minions one additional strength, yeah. which... Leads to insanity. And, and you can have multiple copies of her in play, which means if you get two out, like your, even your bad smokes are scary. And if you're playing the Resurrections and you're dropping seven or eight guys into play with Koi Jang, it's huge. Yeah, Obviously, I, that's some work. I think we're... I mean, and maybe we're fixating too much on... on that on one Bleak game we Re played. Well, it's yeah. not just one game, but it's... I guess, for us, Bleak Resurrection has... It's kind of tainted kind the soul set for me. Tainted the yeah. I I almost want to say if 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 you like Nightfall and you want to get martial law, and if you do like Nightfall, you'll want to get martial law because you'll want the extra options. I would almost take Bleak Resurrection and just not put it in the draft pool. Mm. It is kind of ridiculous. It it just always not just sometimes but always produces such swingy effects. You may not eventually win, but either you're going to drop tons and tons of stuff and then savage everyone else, or you're going to get to drop a bunch of stuff and then, and then become the giant target. Yeah, and then yeah. everyone's going to spend the next round just killing all the guys that you brought into play. So, but, oh, and Ko Koi Jang is one of several draft cards that does have some sort of printing goof on the text of the card. Well, here's the third and final, at least for this episode, bit of technical difficulties. Uh, in the rest of the Nightfall Martial Law review, you missed us actually talking about cards other than Bleak Resurrection, but there's really no good way to recreate that. You can stop by strangeassembly.com where our written review is posted, or I should say my written review is posted, although I think we'd all agree with most of it. If you couldn't tell from our initial discussions, I think we all reached similar conclusions on Nightfall Martial Law overall. The biggest difference feel-wise between the base game and Martial Law is that in Martial Law, none of the minions have chain effects, although they do have kickers, and a lot of them have in-play effects, and a lot of them stick around and we also felt that overall the minions were much stronger than most of the orders. And the strongest order, Bleak Resurrection, was just about putting minions into play. And so that makes martial law feel notably different from Nightfall. Because there's just a lot more minions on the board. And a lot more minions that do things when they're on the board. And then they stay around. Whereas in Nightfall, everything tended to come and go pretty quickly. In balance, we liked the original Nightfall better. If you haven't played Nightfall yet and you're deciding which one to get, even though Martial Law is a standalone, we would recommend picking up the original Nightfall. Obviously, if you already have Nightfall, then you'll know what you, you think of the game. If you like Nightfall, then I think you'll still like getting Martial Law for the additional options. 
Although, as you probably gathered from our endless discussions of the card, in the future we will just not be playing with Bleak Resurrection when we play Nightfall. Hopefully, both you and I will not have to deal with more technical difficulties in our next episode, where we will hopefully get to talk to you about Forgotten Legacy. Until then, that's it for this time. You've been listening to Strange Assembly. You can download more episodes of Strange Assembly on iTunes or from our website at www.strangeassembly.com. While you're at our website, you can check out the frequently updated main page or talk with us on the forums. You can also email me directly at chris at strangeassembly.com or you can follow Strange Assembly on Facebook or Twitter strange assembly either place. Thanks for listening.